Hey everyone, welcome to Lessons with Mike, the groundbreaking program that will shock you and change your life. Uh, today we are back with another monthly installment of uh, the Mike and Jesse monthly movie review series. Jesse, say hello. Hey, I'm Jesse. And we have a special guest today. It's Joshy. Hi. Um, For the first I'm... time ever. Yeah, you finally got me. You bastard. Oh. <laughs> Only took me years and persuasion and heavy torture, but we made it happen. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, my wit level is uh, lower. Uh, I'm a little groggy. I've been awake for 20 minutes. Well, hey, um, the best but... way to start your day is with lessons with Mike. <laughs> Michael, it is 7 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> well, for who, someone might be listening, and it could be 7 a.m. I, I have listeners all over the world. It, it, that, that, I love the implication that this is a live show. Um, it is most certainly not a live show there will be heavy edits fantastic Uh, all right so for for this month jesse what do you have for us this month i only have one movie called moonfall we only have one yeah ever since i started back to work again i don't really have a lot of time to watch movies you don't have time to watch movies well then you should quit your job so you can watch movies more but mike money I have two. I have Saw Two and Saw X. That you you went from two to ten. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So my plan uh, was originally to watch all nine before seeing Saw X, and I only got to two. I just the t- I lost track of time. I only got I only saw the first two and then Saw X. Okay, uh, I I have twelve movies. This is fantastic uh, news. This is gonna be the uh, longest episode ever. I'm so hyped. Yeah, you see, I. Normally, I don't like uh, August was two, uh, July was one. Uh, so the different factor here is uh, I had paternity leave. <laughs> um, and for some reason, my brain chose to force Lucy to watch the entire DC Extended Universe with me. Oh. Um, and by the entire, I mean not quite. Well, there are definitely worse ways to spend your time. I was scared for a moment you were going to say you watched uh, 12 Bible Man films for some reason. I would not put those on my letterbox. <laughs> so, yeah, since you have the most, get it started for us. Okay, well, uh, I'm not going to go film by film here, uh, at least not for the DC movies. Yeah, because um, we can talk about that as a collective. Yeah, exactly, especially since, you know, they're dead now. Yeah. Well, Aquaman um, is going to save the day and make $3 billion. Closer to $3. I mean, I don't doubt James Wan. Um, even though, I guess you watched Saw 2, you didn't even watch the first Saw. But there's a there's your little co- connective thread. Wow. Uh, but, um, I don't know, I believe in James Wan. And I also hadn't seen the first Aquaman until this month when I watched these movies with Lucy. Um, so, uh, I went from not giving a single shit about Aquaman 2 to actually looking forward to it, so, um, I will give James Wan that credit. Um, but, yeah, I've, the, the DC movies, I've had, like, this weird kind of love-hate relationship with them, um, I have been a big fan of these characters since I was a kid, 
And when I was a teenager and these movies were coming out, um, I didn't like a lot of them because they weren't very good. Uh, uh, but on a rewatch, at least, uh, as I've become less and less pretentious in my old age at 23, um, I, I found myself kind of actually enjoying these for the most part. Um, they definitely, there, there were ups and downs, and I still skipped 2016's Suicide Squad because I couldn't do that to myself again. I understand. Um, but I mean, it was it 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 wasn't as much of a roller coaster as I thought it would be. Um, and for some for the the catalyst for this, even though this isn't technically September, it was August thirty first. But I'm going to count it. Yeah, close. Enough. Um, the catalyst for this was I watched The Flash in the middle of the night while I was rocking the baby. Um, because he refused to go to sleep, and I was like, well, I've got time. <laughs> so yeah, the flash was... will put him right to sleep. <laughs> um, and I, I watched it, and I didn't like it. <laughs> and I was like, perhaps I was, you know, too harsh on some of these older movies. And yeah, fan, fans of the just... program will know I'm a very, very strong uh, Flash hater. Uh, yeah, it was, it was so misguided. That's the the only uh, the only word I can use to describe it. Like, I I don't understand how anyone could end up making that particular film. Um, I don't understand why people let a lot of those decisions be made. I don't understand when you, why you're gonna have like a a cameo fest, like everyone's doing with their multiverse movies now, and instead of cameos from relevant characters or actors. Who are alive? You uh, computer generate some images of people who are dead, who have no relevance to the Flash at all. Well, as you as we all know, Christopher Reeve's Superman is like a main character in Flash lore. Absolutely, as as evidenced by the fact that uh, you know the those movies uh, had no other superheroes in them. <laughs> I mean, unless you count Steel and Supergirl, which this movie counts Supergirl, so whatever. If Supergirl's um, canon, that means that uh, Shaquille O'Neal's Steel is also canon. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I, I'm honestly surprised that they didn't throw Shaq's ass in there. Um, that that would have made it better, I think. I definitely would have laughed. Yeah. And it would have been nice, you know, since he was someone that's actually alive. <laughs> Um, especially George Reeves, uh, uh, the old, like, black and white Superman, like, uh, that, that particular cameo just felt completely distasteful, like, with the fact that, uh, George Reeves, you know, he, he felt very boxed in by the fact that he played Superman and felt like he could never break out of that. And it led to a lot of depression in his life. It's uh, um, it's possible he killed himself, even. Yes, exactly. Um, and so even with the implication, like it just feels weird that if you've got a, like, a little list of like cameos you want to do for your Flash movie, that you pick George Reeves as Superman for that. But you don't and pick Grant Gustin for some reason. You don't pick Grant Gustin. You don't pick John Wesley Shipp. 
uh, from who played Barry in the '90s and who played Jay Garrick on in the uh, 2014 show. Um, like, and when you do have Jay Garrick in there, it's literally like an AI creation of his face that is seemingly based off Teddy Sears' face. And uh, I guess mild spoilers for season two of 2014's show, The Flash. But Teddy Sears did not play Jay Garrick. He played as someone pretending to be Jay Garrick. <laughs> they <laughs> so, didn't even do their research. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we, they sure did. They sure did get Nicolas Cage in there fighting a giant spider. Yeah, for the whole um, two seconds, and they completely destroyed his face. I don't know what you're talking about. PlayStation 3 graphics or how films look. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I would say the PlayStation 1 Lion King game was looking better than some of these scenes. Okay, well, well, we'll we'll leave DC behind by saying that my favorite ones that I watched out of all of them, uh, Aquaman, because while I was watching, like I started with the, the Zack Snyder 3, so like Man of Steel... Uh, BVS and Justice League. And the Snyder Cut. I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, Zack Snyder's Justice League, good, good. yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, you know, this looks so great. Like, Snyder's a really good visionary director. I don't always love his character, his writing choices, but, like, he knows how to make a movie that looks gorgeous. Um, and then I get to Aquaman, directed by James Wan, again. Um, and I remember that movies can look gorgeous and have, you know, Color. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't all dark and gray. I was kind of blown away uh, watching that one. I was staring at the screen like a like just like a giddy little kid. My eyes were so wide. So Aquaman, great. Um, and uh, the Suicide Squad 2021 uh, is always one of my favorites. The, uh, the the biggest sin of that movie is killing Captain Boomerang in the first five minutes. Yes, yeah, but I I like the uh, I I like the characters he chose to kind of run with, and I don't know if Boomer would have fit into a lot of that story. Yeah, he um, maybe he crawled away, and we just didn't see it. Yeah, maybe it doesn't matter. It's a new universe now. Um, so leaving DC behind. Um, before we launched into that, I uh, started off the month with a rewatch of Black Klansman. I've seen that one. Um, it's one of my favorites. No, but I, I love that movie, and I every time I watch it, I find a, a, a I see a new depth in it. Um, I, I have a new, like a deeper fondness for it. Uh, the um, best part is it's a true story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite, my my. I think my favorite part at this point um, is, or like my favorite little throwaway part is there's a scene where uh, Ron, uh, John, John David Washington's character, is talking to his direct supervisor uh, on the police force who, about David Duke. And he's, the, the supervisor is saying that Duke uh, is you know, trying to dissociate from all of the weirdness and like the, the, the grand wizard and like all the, the not as... Uh, popular-seeming aspects of the Klan, um, calling it the organization, and wearing a suit everywhere, never being seen in the hood, 
Um, and it was all so he can, you know, essentially start running for office. And Ron says, uh, America would never put a man like David Duke in office. Um, and he's, he's, and the, the, uh, the supervisor says, that, isn't that a little naive? Uh, you, you start spinning, like you, you stop saying overtly, you know, racist things, and you start pivoting to border control, inflation, economics, crime, like, and then you start pushing hatred as political policy. And I was like, I didn't remember this level of depth, but that's just, I'm going to credit that to, you know, Spike Lee, just knowing how to kind of sneak stuff in there. <laughs> I've seen that movie like 10 times probably. And I've, I've seen that scene before and I've loved that scene, but I just, I, I can, I can see the movie a little deeper every time. Um, but yeah. Uh, great movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, you should watch it. It's much better than my ramblings on it. Um, it's very similar uh, in a way to the film Imperium with Daniel Radcliffe where he pretends to be a Nazi. <laughs> I've not seen it, but... That's, that's a good one. Okay. Um, and I'll cap off uh, the last few movies I've watched this month. Uh, we're gearing up for the spooky season. Um, so I watched the first two Evil Dead movies. Good choice. Um, both of those for the first time. Both of those in one night. Uh, really good stuff. I, I really loved, loved those. Um, I, I don't know why I, it took me so long to, like, get around to those. I just constantly was like, I don't know if I'm... You know, ready, like, because I grew up not watching horror movies at all. I couldn't, wasn't sure what my tolerance level could handle. And now I just feel silly for, like, feeling like I couldn't handle these movies for so long because they're so goofy. (laughs) Um, And uh, I also watched The Invisible Man from 2020. um, And I Know What You Did Last Summer from the 90s. Oh, wow. What did you do last summer? Um, well, I uh, got married last summer. Well, I guess not last. Last summer would be the summer that just passed. I know what so, you did the summer that just passed. It does not sound like a good movie. No, it doesn't. But I didn't push anyone, or I didn't, I didn't throw anyone in a lake. So, that's... I, I, I didn't do that, so I shouldn't be being chased by a man with a fisherman's hook. Fair enough. <sighs> Um, um, yeah, spooky season. Uh, woohoo! Yeah, I'm excited for spooky season. Uh, my films are very similar to spooky season, but uh, before we get into to the Saw franchise, and I have a whole dissertation about why it fails on all artistic merits, but we'll get to that later and move on to uh, to Jesse, who is going to share with us his thoughts on the uh, on the the art piece known as uh, Moonfall. I wouldn't call it that though. But anyway, I digress. So, Moonfall, it came out in 2022. It was directed by Roland Emmerich, and he is famous for the Independence Day film series and the Godzilla movie back in 1998. 
But besides that, basically the main plot of Moonfall is that there is a evil alien life force that is inhabiting the moon. And because it's inhabiting the moon, the moon is now out of orbit. And parts of the moon are now going to be colliding into the planets to destroy the Earth. So it's basically it's up to... I forget what their names were, but it was Patrick Wilson and Haley Berry and Michael Pena and some other characters in the movie. They basically go to the moon and try to stop the alien life form. Is, is there more? Yeah, yeah, there's more. That was just basically the plot before I got into spoilers. So basically, Patrick Wilson and Haley Berry's character, and I forget the actor's name, but they had a third guy with them in the spaceship as well to go to the moon. And basically, he's a big conspiracy theory nut that believes that the moon is actually hollow and is a megastructure. Which turns out in this movie is actually true because get this. How it works is that the moon is a megastructure built by the ancient humans from billions of years ago. And they lived in this society that's kind of similar to the society ring world scene in Halo. Because a lot of people thought that was sort of based in Halo. But anyway, the evil alien turns out is actually evil AI that went against the ancestors and basically destroyed all of them and the only remaining space from the ancestors was the moon megastructure which they eventually found the earth when it was still forming billions of years ago and then re-inhabited the earth so then the ai was searching for the rest of the humans to exterminate and it finally found the earth and then eventually the humans killed the ai on the moon and that's basically it that sounds so dumb. It is. I I am fascinated with Roland Emmerich's brain. <laughs> it's either a hit or a miss with his movies. No, it's entirely a miss. But they always look they always look fun. Uh, like I loved Independence Day growing up. For some reason, I loved the Day After Tomorrow, even though it is um, well. I guess it's not flaming. It's a freezing pile of dog shit. <laughs> Um, I did not watch the newer Independence Day because it looked bad. Um, I owned a DVD of 10,000 BC for the last 15 years, and I've never opened it. Oh. <laughs> so, it looks so good, though. Yeah, the poster looks so good. I could just never bring myself to put it in, given that it is... It's, I, I don't even know. It's less than two hours. It's just I could never do it. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's been on my list for years and I also have never been able to work up to it yeah just never been able to work up to it and I have some shame on my never been able to work up to list but that's not shame uh, Roland Roland brain man I, I did not know the. I've not seen Moonfall so I did not know the plot uh, I was never going to watch it so uh, <laughs> that's basically I'm glad I know it now yeah, we saved you about two hours of your life. Uh, also, uh, it's so it's interesting to me that you know you yeah you, you chose two movies to to use as an example of his work, and one of them was Matthew Broderick's Godzilla. <laughs> Look, the Godzilla um, fan has to at least come up with one Godzilla movie. <laughs> uh, so, Jesse, I don't think you're just a Godzilla fan. If there was some sort of contest, I think you'd be winning. I don't know. I watched 2012, well, I was going to say religiously, but I watched it two times. 
which is two times more than I should have watched it. It's also when two I was times a kid. more than I went to church. <laughs> That's not true. And there's <laughs> don't forget Mel Gibson's The Patriot. Oh yeah, did Roll I forgot Roland directed The Patriot. Oh well. That I that got so I couldn't finish I got so bored. Oh my god, I so forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, that's that. Yeah, I, that is a boring movie. I don't care what anyone says. It is a boring movie. Yeah, I um, that. The the tr- the poster is so strange because it's just giant Mel Gibson head, <laughs> um, over top of a man on a horse, carrying a torn up American, like a torn up old glory, um, and I I shit you not if you like squint and you're not like really paying attention to the details. Like, it almost gives off a Talladega Nights vibe, and I don't understand why that's what they would choose. I just pulled up the poster. This is a terrible poster. <laughs> oh, Roland, you are... Uh, he, he fascinates me. He did that... Uh, he did, did he do that... Um, Geostorm movie, or was that someone no, else? Someone else. I Bubby Luck, though. Was he involved? Because that was so Roland Emmerich pilled. He did a movie about Stonewall. He what? A 2015 coming-of-age drama film directed by Roland set around the 1969 Stonewall riots. By the way, it was Dean Delvin for Geostorm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking, and he wasn't even involved at all. It was just... A very much like one of his type of movies. Oh yeah, um, they copied him. Geostorm was so crazy because if you look at the poster, like the color scheme and the the font layout, it's like it's trying to have the same vibe as Inception, even though the movie is nothing like it. I worked at a movie theater when it came out, and I would sit in the back and like look at the movie sometimes, and I was just like. That's, I don't, this looks bad, um, but Lorne Balf did the music, and Lorne Balf was a, uh, a student of Hans Zimmer, so uh, it even sounds like Inception, like a diet Inception in a lot of ways, um, but no, he, that, that, that was not Roland Emmerich, it was just very inspired by him, um, and if we're counting movies that I watched, um, at the end of August, and I'm going to throw in a little plug here, and uh, also composed by Lauren Balf. Uh, if you have not seen Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, you should do that. It's the best movie that I've seen this year. Um, and like Moonfall, it is also about fighting AI, but it's good. Oh. <clears throat> and it's not as stupid and Michael if you watch it I swear you will fall in love with Isai Morales like the, the guy that plays the villain like I, I'm positive that that is the kind of person that you will be like oh I uh, yeah he's very hot <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to watch that I, the only Mission Impossible I've ever seen is Ghost Protocol uh, I mean Ghost Protocol is great um I would pick up immediately after, because that's number four, so I would, this is seven, I would just pick up there. You don't have to watch anything earlier if you don't want to. 
because um, after that it starts like that's Ghost Protocol is the first movie that calls back to a previous movie um, and then after that they start being more connected uh, but I mean even still like if you just wanted to pick up Dead Reckoning like there's gonna be some characters you don't know you don't know their relationship as much but it still works um, that and the other only other one I've seen was Fallout well, yeah, uh, so Fallout is the one that's right before this one. Fallout 6, and this is 7. Um, so, here's your, here's your homework. You go, you watch uh, Rogue Nation, number 5, um, which is when they started being directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Um, and uh, you just watch on through that, because Christopher McQuarrie is still writing and directing them now. So... Uh, <clears throat> You can honestly treat Mission 5 as your personal Mission 1 and watch through there. Um, there's going to be some callbacks to like the first three, the first four, but uh, it, they, they don't really matter all that much. You can, re you can really treat the fifth movie as a first movie in a series, and uh, it'll work. Speaking of, that's a great segue, uh, talking about re reorienting the order of a franchise, uh, because Saw X... Is supposed to take place in between Saw one and two, uh, but uh, it, it doesn't work for me. So I've seen Saw one. I saw that one last month. My goal is to see all of them. I failed spectacularly. Only saw two, <laughs> and only saw one and two before. So I talked about one. I actually liked number one. Uh, there were a lot of gratuitous violent scenes that I thought were pretty useless in explaining anything, and. My whole main concern with all of these films is that it is completely unrealistic that any one person has the time or the resources to set up all of these traps. <laughs> like, it, one of the traps in Sawtan is so outlandish. Oh, you have to cut out a piece of your brain. And here are all the things you need to do that. And once you place the piece of your brain matter into this special acid, it will dissolve the brain matter, which will free the key which will release this, but only if you do it in three minutes. And like, you know, you're supposed to be like a 75 year old man with cancer and no income. How are you funding this? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I've never acting, seen Saul. The acting for Saw uh, X from Tobin Bell is really good. They did this really weird thing in Saw X, uh, spoilers, where they make Jigsaw like the hero which I thought was kind of strange because, you know, normally heroes don't, don't torture people, but uh, I don't know, maybe that's a new thing they're, they were going for. But so in Saw, in Saw 2, uh, the plot is there's this cop who's mean to his son. And so Jigsaw kidnaps his son and a bunch of other people. And uh, plot twist, the son was actually locked away in the desk the whole time. And he was really just watching uh, a recording of his son being tortured not a live feed of his son being tortured. And that's the mm. problem with these movies. They have a really good theme, like a musical theme that plays at the very end. And there's a really good two minutes where something unexpected happens. But then you forget the rest of the movie was garbage leading up to that. That tracks. Yeah. But that's uh, that I, I call that the Rogue One effect. Hey, Rogue One is great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, I get it. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen that one since the theater, so I honestly really can't argue it. 
Uh, but that was what that was what I used to call it when a movie like in the last few minutes tricked you into believing that the rest of the movie was good. Well, I don't know. I've heard the other Saw movies are all terrible, and one, two, and ten are supposed to be the best. So I've got those crossed off my list. Uh, but the plot of ten is that, and it doesn't work because uh, Jigsaw is like seventy in real life, almost eighty, and this movie is supposed to take place, you know, right after Saw one. Uh, but no, it doesn't work because he looks much older, obviously. Other characters from other movies appear, but they also look much older. Almost, I, I think zero dollars of budget went towards making the characters appear the age they were supposed to be in the narrative. Hmm. Uh, again, the traps, there weren't actually very many traps. Uh, the one trap that I was the most freaked out about was the eyeball vacuum trap. And uh, spoiler alert, that one doesn't even happen in the movie. It was just uh, just an imagination of someone. Uh, it was just Jigsaw imagining trapping someone and doing that to them. Huh. But and yeah, so there's this uh, this uh, this woman who's offering this experimental treatment to cure his cancer. So he goes to Mexico, pays this outlandish sum of money, uh, gets a surgery. But plot twist, he takes off his bandages and uh, there's no surgery been done. It was all a hoax. And the people were just conning people out of money. So he kidnaps them all and tortures them. And uh, there's this little kid who and then one who gets put on one of the jigsaw traps. And uh, it's like waterboarding, but with blood. Another unrealistic thing is how do you get that many gallons of blood? Uh, I find that I think that'd be very difficult unless you lived on some sort of slaughterhouse or. Well, I don't know. Just it just seems improbable to me that one really old sick man would be able to, you know, acquire all of these things the necessary space to do these things and the time to do them. <laughs> uh, also, the traps are not designed to be survivable uh, because in the films, what I've noticed is even if the characters do survive the traps, they don't actually win. In Saw 2, this was a big problem where it was, oh, if you survive this trap, you get a key to the exit. And they got the key to the exit several times. Oh, you didn't do it fast enough. The door is forever closed. In Saw 10, oh, they finished it. Oh, but you didn't finish it fast enough, so you're dead. It's like you do everything perfectly and because like also it's unrealistic because if you lock me in a chair and I have to cut off my own leg and suck out my bone marrow to fill up a tube uh, to release the cord around my neck. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. You're just going to kill. I'm, you just, you'll just have to kill me. Like, no, that's a lot of work. Just kill me. I'm not doing all that. Mm -hmm. But uh, overall, it was uh, it was m more enjoyable than, you know, uh, just sitting around staring at a brick so it has that going for it absolutely yeah but uh yeah overall uh, i think they're just unnecessarily gratuitous and i've heard that gets worse in later films where the the torture becomes the entire film and uh that doesn't really interest me sitting around for two hours watching people get horrifying hor horrifyingly tortured is uh, just not my idea of a good time yeah mine neither yeah jesse have you seen any of uh, the Saw movies, I have not. Yeah, the music is really good. Yeah, well, that's all I've got. Uh, that's all I've got too. I was trying to see who uh, did the music for at least the first Saw. Let me see because it's one. Charlie Clouser did Numbers, <laughs> Resident Evil, Extinction. Oh, he did the he did the same song for American Horror Story, which is literally in my head right now. Hey. Um, because I just watched an episode of that. 
Yeah, it's a really good theme. Uh, and it plays. Oh, and I have seen Spiral with Chris Rock. And I'd like to take this opportunity to say that Chris Rock, um, we all feel for what you're going through, but um, you don't need to be acting in serious roles. It's just not for you, buddy. No, not at all. Um, it seemed it, that that one always kind of looked strange to me. It just there's some really bizarre edits in that film, and I just can't take him seriously as an actor because of all the comedy stuff. Um, oh yeah, you continue. Which is uh, which is funny because in the movie. Spiral. I think the uh, the best parts are when Chris Rock's character is telling jokes. Like there's an opening five minute scene of him telling a Bill Cosby joke, and it was hilarious. Okay. Um, it should be noted that Charlie Clauser, um, this uh, the composer for Saul and American Horror Story, apparently, um, he was uh, he was a keyboardist, composer, and record producer and remixer. Um, and he worked primarily, uh, with Trent Reznor in Nine Inch Nails. So oh, that's wonderful news. Didn't, did not know that. Um, so that makes three people from Nine Inch Nails that are also film composers, counting Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross as well. So it seems like the pathway to film composition is just playing with Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> or just being Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> um... But yeah, uh, that's pretty much all I've got. Although I'm seeing that uh, I didn't know that Saw was written by Lee Winnell, who directed The Invisible Man. Oh. Um, that I, you know, was on my list. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much all that I've got. Yeah, that's uh, that's all I've got. Jesse, do you have anything else? Uh, I don't have any. Hopefully, I might try to get more than one for next month. Well, well you had to have right. one had to have one at least well i guess we'll have to all join together next month so i can talk about the five nights of Freddy's movie oh yeah that's out this month it is i'll have to to watch it it's gonna be on yeah they're dual releasing it on on peacock so uh, they're gonna kneecap their uh their box office (laughs) no hold on a minute now no one actually has peacock so that's not a problem I have Peacock. Oh, really? You're the first person. Actually, I technically I don't. My parents have Peacock, and yep, I just got into it. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I would never pay for an NBC streaming service. How else are you gonna watch uh, Jesse Quick? What's an NBC program? Um, Dancing with the Stars. I'm about to ruin this man's whole career. <laughs> uh, it's not NBC, is it? No, it's ABC. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Well, it, that is a, that is a Walt Disney production. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. If you like the program, uh, please consider sharing the program with your friends, acquaintances. Play it to people in the prisons when you go visit them to spread the word and all all the other types of people as well. Yeah, that's that's a hell of an outro. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wing the outros. I wing the whole thing every time, really, to be honest. Honestly, I can tell. Yeah, but I think this turned out well. Well, that's good because I was also winging it. Good, good. Yeah, the whole concept of notes and preparedness is lost on me. Yeah, it's not really a thing on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, but no, don't worry. We'll uh, we'll get a good edit out of this. We'll have about 37 minutes of content. Actually, no, we're going to shoot for 36 minutes and 12 seconds of content. That seems reasonable. Oddly, Sounds good. If you hit that exact number, uh, 
That'd be cool. That's my goal now that I've said it. So we'll see if I can make it happen. All right. Well, Jesse, any final words you want to say? Um, I don't have any at the moment. But we'll get to say goodbye. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, goodbye, listeners. All right. Well, I don't, I don't have anything to plug, so. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.